Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Welcome in. It is episode 17 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Tyler Uremchuk and Cam Lewis will have a special guest coming up in just a few minutes. Nick Dyka from Arkells. It's going to be a fun chat, but first we got to get into that ball game, Cameron. Uh, I was so excited. I thought we were going to be talking about a sweep. I thought it was going to be a good time. And yeah, yeah. Your prediction was almost right there. I remember after the last podcast, you were like, oh, they're going to go into Cleveland and sweep. And I thought, nah, I don't know if they're going to Cleveland and sweep them, but Cleveland isn't very good. So taking two out of three is fine, but it is disappointing to win the first two and have the third one right there. Oh, and then to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, which is what we watched. That was an unfortunate, that was honestly like the, the first two games there, just totally dominant. And then all of a sudden it was, just the last two innings of the third game that it all kind of came unraveled. Add it to the list of incredibly, incredibly frustrating ball games that we've watched this team piss away in the last two weeks. Like you go to that series against Boston when they dropped the finale, blowing a lead. You go when they got swept by Tampa, pretty much every game they blew a lead in or had a chance to win late and couldn't come through. The Yankee series was good, not debating that, but you smoke Cleveland in game one, you go into the final two games and yeah, like it's right there for the taking in the finale. And you just, you somehow don't get it done again. And there's a handful of reasons why we'll get into them in three up, three down. And I suppose we can jump into that right now. Actually three up, three down is brought to you by twig and berries. Find them online, twig Don't forget that promo code is nation 15 saves you 15% off. Uh, Coombsy, you just took a nice sip from your glass of Guinness, your pint of Guinness. So I will let you choose. Do you want to start with the ups or the downs? Um, I think since we're feeling a little bit negative on the start, let's go ahead and just start with, I don't know if we really have three downs. I think we only have one. Let's just get out of the way. It's kind of, it's kind of a multidimensional topic. So let's just lean into that. I think that's what everyone's going to want to be talking about anyway. Yeah. So our three downs, what we got here is the Tyler Chatwood meltdown, Charlie Montoyo's management and like, I don't even, we don't even really have a third one. That Espinal air could yeah, maybe be the third one, but that didn't cost them the ball game. No. Uh, what cost them the ball game was Chatwood once again, not knowing how to throw strikes and Charlie Montoyo for some reason, not having an extra guy warming up in the bullpen sooner. Like we, I've defended Charlie on this podcast. You've said on the radio, on the podcast that like, you know, some of the yep. hate for him is unwarranted. It's people who just love making up narratives, but this is one that you can put on him a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Actually, this is, um, 
I thought it was bizarre they didn't have somebody ready to go, especially given the way Chatwood has been going lately. I mean, yeah. his last few outings, I think, especially in the Tampa series, looked quite shaky. And then he had already pitched in the sixth inning. So sixth inning kind of sits down for a bit, comes back out. You don't really know. I don't think he looked particularly sharp in the sixth inning. You should know if he has his good stuff. If he's, you know, pitching in two different innings, you should know, right? But one thing I'm wondering is, remember, it was against Tampa. It was the um, it was the game where 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 Chatwood came in. He couldn't throw a strike, and then Travis Bergen came in, blew the game. Yeah, Chatwood was really pissed off and barked at Charlie when Charlie pulled him out of the game. And I kind of wonder if this time around Charlie's play was okay. I'm going to give this guy an opportunity to, to you know if he puts himself into a situation to get himself out of it because he freaked the fuck out last time. I I think that's all fine. And you can tell Chatwood like, Hey, I'm giving you this seventh inning here with the game on the line. You know, I trust you with it, but you can still have someone warming up. Like, I don't think it rattles Tyler Chatwood at all. If you have someone just throwing in the pen, getting loose and then, yeah, if he gets into trouble, someone's going to be warming up. That's not like a ridiculous thing. I just, I didn't get it because by the time Castro can get ready, yeah. the game's almost at that point fucking over because you're facing the meat of Cleveland's yeah. order. Basically, I know the bottom did some damage at points, but the middle of the order is really all they have going for them. And 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 you totally gave them an opportunity to, to win that ball game. And by the time Castro came in, like it's a young arm coming in, bases loaded, one out. Like, what are you expecting him to do, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a hideous situation for Castro to come into as well. I mean, he's got to go and get up and start whipping the ball and warm himself up really fast and come in just pure pressure. It's like you're, you're, you're putting him into a situation with no opportunity to succeed at that point. I would rather have Charlie honestly just like if he really did, if I'm, if I'm right, and I don't know if I'm right, if, yeah. if, if he did want Charlie or uh, Chatwood to just wear it, and give him his inning like he was angry about last yeah. time, then just let him do it for fuck's yeah. sake. Just don't, there's no sense in getting Castro in the mix and risking him getting hurt because he's warming up in 10 seconds. Yeah, it was just a super, super frustrating end to what was a pretty good weekend. Like I was yeah. sitting there doing the three up, three down in the last couple innings of that game. And now oh, they, we, were so they've changed. we were so excited. And like in the ups, I was going to talk about how the bullpen barely had to get used. You got to play three seven inning ball games. And instead of having 9, 18, 27 innings in a weekend, you were only going to have 21. All your starters basically went deep. Like this was setting up to just be an absolutely perfect weekend for the Toronto Blue Jays. And they squandered it. Well, five, seven inning games in a row. I quite like the seven inning game. Actually, it moves so fast. It goes so quick. You're at like the meaningful, stressful pitches so much earlier. I I dig it as well. It's great. It's actually really great, Um, especially when there's a doubleheader involved. Like there's seven innings, both games. That makes a ton of sense. I mean, I wouldn't... I wouldn't say seven inning game for every single game, but you know, I, I, I love a back-to-back seven inning doubleheader. It's fun. So, so let me ask you this in terms of uh, seven, you, you mentioned it, not every game, but would you ever be in favor of them scheduling in seven inning doubleheaders? Yeah, absolutely. I think off days and doubleheaders are great personally. Like I, I love a weekday um, like daytime ball games personally. But I understand. Well, I mean, also, like, let's be real. I work in this industry, so I don't yeah. do anything else. But if you're a real normal working person and you have a job that's nine to five, you might not like it as much. But I, I love the idea of there being back to back 
games in one day that are seven innings long and you can just go hit up the ballpark for like six hours. That's sick. I, I wonder if the players would like the players association would ever get on board with that idea. Cause you can see the positives and negatives, like yeah. getting a game jamming two games into one day and giving them more off days, especially yeah. when it only means like five more actual innings being played than a nine inning game. Like, I wonder if they would take that trade off of like one day full of baseball in order for like mm-hmm. an extra off day a month if every team played a seven inning doubleheader each month throughout yeah. the season. Like you'd think so because you yeah. know they have so few off days because so many of the off days they even have are just spent traveling, right? Like how many yeah. times do you really have to go? I mean, when you're on the road, for example, like how many times do you have to just like enjoy a city that you're in? Yeah. Or when you're at home, like enjoy being at home. I think, it, I think it'd be great, but whatever. All right. Uh, we kind of got off whatever. on a tangent there, but let's get to the three up for three up, three down presented by Twig and Berries. Uh, the first up I've written down is that the starters were rolling, and I was really happy with what the Jays got from them in this series. I know Matt's kind of fell apart a little bit there, um, but he still only gave up two earned runs. You had Stripling, who goes five innings, Ooh. only giving up one earned, and Hunjin Ryu gave up two earned over five. So to have all three of your starters give you five innings in these seven inning ball games, I I was really impressed. And I mean Springer, Springer, uh, Stripling in in specific, uh, he was really good. And we've kind of trashed the guy for a few weeks now, yep. but now it's back to back solid appearances from him, and at a time when they really needed it. We absolutely cannot be critical of Ross Stripling on this podcast. If, if we start saying something about something negative about Ross Stripling after these back-to-back good starts, we got to pull the plug and stop talking because yeah. we've, we've shit on this guy every single time we've recorded a podcast and he's been fantastic in back-to-back outings. And honestly, if you get Stripling rolling and being as effective as he has been at points in his career, when he was with the Dodgers, he was quite good. Yeah. And you now have Alec Manoa, the big man, you know, that suddenly has a full starting rotation. I mean, I mean, to be fair, they played all these seven inning games, so it's a little bit different. But now the bullpen's actually rested and should be at its best. It wasn't at its best today, unfortunately, because Tyler Chatwood couldn't throw strikes. But hypothetically, the the Jays right now are in the best spot bullpen wise that we've seen them since what, like April first? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, right? So there's a real real starting rotation here now. This is the first time we've had a normal five guy rolling rotation, and I think the X factor is whether stripling can be good or not. <laughs> it seems like he's got something figured out with his new little hiding the fucking ball and his hands a little bit lower on his body. Yeah. I don't really know pitching mechanics very well. Like I can't explain what he's doing or why it's different or why that matters, but apparently he's hiding the ball longer or something. Yeah. I saw, I saw something about that going around that he was, he was managing to keep his hands closer to his body and that might be allow it or not allowing hitters to recognize what he's throwing as quickly. Um, Second up, I really liked Teoscar Hernandez this weekend in the first game. He goes two for four in the second game. He hits a home run and then he follows it up with a one for three performance in, uh, in the finale. And he also drove in three RBIs in that finale in the game. They ultimately lost again, another piece of that puzzle high up in the lineup that, you're, I'm looking at this, and once George Springer's back, like having Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Hernandez, Grichuk hitting the way he is, Semyon's going to be hitting the way he is. Who knows where they all slot in? But like one with, with Springer back, one through seven, this Jays lineup is going to be one of the best in baseball. And we we were hoping it would be that way at the start of the season. But after watching this team now for a couple months, we're I'm pretty confident in saying one through seven, this is going to be one of the best orders in baseball. It's actually pretty funny how you know, people, people praise the the Blue Jays lineup as they should. It's good. Yeah. And it's mostly like all flat, like MVP, uh, mm-hmm. Bo, like exciting, dynamic player, Marcus Semyon, amazing rebound season, 
you know, player of the month, George Springer, World Series MVP, $150 million man. And it's like, those are the names you all hear, but you never hear anything about Teoscar Hernandez, who's really been like the catalyst of the offense, I think, because remember they were scuffling quite a bit when he was injured and he came back and Vlad's been hitting better since he's been back. You know, Marcus Samian's been hitting better. It's almost like he adds kind of just that it, it, it reminds me of like a, like the Edwin Encarnacion level protection, like a, like a number four in the lineup for whoever's batting yeah. ahead of him when it was Bautista and Donaldson, because you know, you have that like ridiculously strong power threat right behind you. And he's just, I think at this point now that he's been good since, you know, coming back from AAA back in 2019, it's pretty safe to say that Hernandez is a guy like he's, yeah. a, he's an all-star caliber hitter who will get MVP votes. It's not a mirage at all. Yeah, it's it's fantastic to see Hernandez continuing to hit the ball. The third up we'll get to quickly is they actually got some help from guys lower in their lineups as well. Like Espinal picked up a hit today. He also had Panic, who goes what what do you go six for seven it's this weekend? Barry Bonds against Cleveland, man. Yeah, like the most <laughs> ridiculous sense. thing was Joe Panic. Basically, the the Cleveland couldn't get him out at all. Um, even Reese McGuire came up with a big hit in that uh, in that second game of the series and the first of the doubleheader. Uh, Rowdy Telez hit a home run. Like the list kind of goes on. It was it was a nice weekend from kind of everyone in the Jays lineup. But I figured sort of those support depth players deserve their own sort of recognition here. Just about every single player on the Jays had a <laughs> good weekend except yeah. for one guy. <laughs> well, if I mean, you really, count Montoya in that, maybe it's two guys, Chatwood yeah, and Charlie. Charlie but other and than Chatwood that, had their their weird little situation, uh, and that's pretty much the only negative. Otherwise, everything else seems pretty good to me. Uh, all right, that is three of three down. Presented by Twig and Berries. Find them online twigandberries.ca on Instagram, twigandberries.ca. Uh, let's get to our guest here, and we're going to bring him in in just a second. Nick Dyka, base operator for Arkells. Uh, he also writes a little bit at Fangraphs Fantasy. He also owns a bar. It's at Odds the Bar in Hamilton. Uh, this dude, I've talked to him a few times over the last few years, and I always call him the most interesting man in Canada because who else can say they play in, you know, arguably Canada's biggest band right now and write about baseball and own a bar? Like, that's a pretty good trio of things to have on your uh, life resume. Yeah, it's a good combination of things. I love baseball. Mm-hmm. I love writing about baseball, and I love drinking. And I love music, so you like it music? all works out. <laughs> Let's bring in Nick now. Back on Blue Jays Nation Radio, episode 17, Cam Lewis, Tyler Uremchuk, and our guest this week from Arkells is Nick Dyka. We are going to talk a little music, but we're also going to talk a whole lot of baseball. And Nick, uh, the Jays were so close, so close to getting away with the sweep against Cleveland. And kind of as they've done all year, they've made life difficult. Like that's sort of this team's thing this year. Hey, is like we are if we're winning, it's close. And when we lose, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess that just means they're in a lot of games, which is, I think, if you want to look at the the positive side of it, that's that's kind of what's happening. So, yeah, you know, you don't expect anybody to go in and throw what a chat would throw like five strikes and 25 balls or something <laughs> like it's insane. Yeah, it's 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 hard to get out alive when you do that. Like I, I was talking about this with my girlfriend during the game, but like he gets paid, you know, millions of dollars and his one job is to throw the ball into the little box. And it's just insane in baseball. How like it, it's like a mental flip almost like guys just completely lose their wiring and forget how to do that. It's just so weird to watch that happen in real time. 
Yeah, although I will say with Chatwood is he's definitely had a bit of a history uh, of yeah. walking the farm. So, you know, I, I had kind of bought in over the first couple of months that like it looked like he had kind of turned it around in terms of his control. But it looks like he's still going to be battling that at points this year. What do you think of the seven inning double headers? Uh, me and Cam were talking earlier. Like, I wouldn't mind if they scheduled a few of these in throughout the year. Like, it's kind of nice yeah. to get two ball games. They're quick. It saves bullpens. Yeah. It would allow for more off days. I don't mind them. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm into them too. Like I, I'm into, I'm into a bunch of the changes. I don't mind the double headers. I don't mind the starting extra innings with the runner on second. Like, and honestly for this year's Jays team, the one of the weaknesses seems like it might be the bullpen. So having these seven inning double headers might be a good way to, you know, steal a game or two that they, they wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. Like if they would have, if they would have gotten out of this one with the win, it would have been 21 innings over the course of three games. And they would have only had used their bullpen for like three or four of the innings. It would have been, uh, it would have been fantastic. The bullpen was great early was definitely probably the biggest surprise early, but it's fallen off. What's been the biggest surprise for you this year with, with this Jays team? Um, I'd probably say it's uh, Matt's and Ray. Uh, they've pitched pretty well and they've definitely had kind of like, their struggles in the, in the past few years. So it's not, um, it's not unheard of, you know, like Ray had a great year in 2017, but yeah, it had been pretty ugly for them in the last couple of years. So seeing them kind of turn it around and become, you know, parts of the rotation, I think has gone a long way in helping them contend. Coomsey. So one other thing is that George Springer hasn't played very much this season, but <laughs> he apparently is going to be back at some point this year. So it's kind of like one of those situations maybe. where, yeah, maybe, right. Yeah. It's one of those situations where it's like, Oh, just imagine getting George Springer back in July. It's like making a huge trade deadline deal. It's not really that, but it kind of is eventually Springer is going to be back. And I've seen a lot of people online talking, okay, Marcus Semyon's killing it in the leadoff spot, but that's George Springer's spot. Like that's where he fits. So when he comes back, what is your optimal lineup look like? Um, yeah, it was interesting. I saw on Twitter today a bunch of people talking about dropping Bo down to mm -hmm. to the sixth spot, which is a little bit surprising. Like if you'd said that coming into the year, I wouldn't have necessarily thought it made sense. But I think it kind of does, given his kind of played approach and how well everyone else is doing. Yeah, yeah I, 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 oh, yeah, go ahead, Tyler. It's all good. Yeah, I was just gonna say the played approach for me is what's sort of been driving me nuts here because it seems like. You know, 75% of the time you blink and he's down 0-2. And granted, yeah. he's yeah. such a good, he's such a naturally gifted hitter that he gets himself out of that hole more often than not. But I do wonder if there would be some pressure maybe taken off him if he's down in sort of that 5-6 spot. And you throw Springer up there and just having your two-hole hitter constantly down 0-2, it's just not a good recipe for success. No, he doesn't get on base a ton. The more I like watch Bo, the more he reminds me of Tim Anderson from the White Sox, who's a guy who's like, he's just always hacking, always aggressive, but he hits, you know, he hits the ball hard enough that it works out enough of the time. But yeah, having somebody up there who can kind of like control the strike zone a little bit more might feel better and, and help the team. Speaking of that. So one other thing that we should probably start talking about, given the fact that it's just about June is the trade deadline. So yeah. we've seen this front office kind of be buyers a couple of times. There was 2016, they inherited 
kind of the old 2015 team made a few changes. Jason Grilly, Joaquin Benoit, BJ Upton, kind of minor stuff. And there was last year, you know, Taiwan Walker, Ross Stripling, Robbie Ray. So if you were a part of the Blue Jays front office, who would you be pushing them to go out and acquire? This is always, this is always so fun. Right? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Roster baiting. Everyone loves roster baiting. Yeah. The the weird thing so far though, is like, there's a lot of teams kind of still in it that you wouldn't expect to be in it. Um, Obviously if Scherzer is available, um, that would be amazing. I think he's, he has those 10 and five rights, I think. So like, so he can veto any trade. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that would be awesome to, to see him come, but I'm having a hard time really kind of getting a gauge as to like, who's available. Like, I don't know, Marco Gonzalez, assuming Seattle cools off. Like it's, yeah, it's kind of hard to, to see who's going to the big ticket guys. Cause I think that's what, like, personally, I'd rather them do that than go after like a Joaquin Benoit or, or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just because I think the Jays have been pretty lucky in terms of like rotation health. Yeah. So having some reinforcements there might be good. So is that is that kind of the spot you'd like? Because there's some people who say, you know, a third baseman or a left-handed hitting bat is, should be the priority. I'm of the mindset that more arms is what they need to grab uh, before the deadline. Rotation and bullpen, is that the priority? Or would you maybe look at spending the assets for a left-handed hitting bat who can maybe give you something more at third base than either Espinal or Biggio does? Yeah, I, I personally would probably think getting getting some pitching would help especially given that the jays like top prospects are infielders that can play on the left side too with groshans and and austin martin so that that that's probably the area to address if you can although it's funny watching the game today against cleveland i was like oh jose ramirez would look kind of nice uh in the jays uniform (laughs) yeah that's you never know like who knows like i mean the front office has their cleveland ties though we've been saying that so many times it's always like oh this front office has their cleveland ties they should sign this cleveland guy and then it just never really happens they've never really i think the only deal they've actually made with cleveland was what they sent joe smith for panone and another guy i can't remember who it was the donaldson deal right Oh yeah, there was yeah. a Donaldson deal from Merriweather. Of course, I completely yeah, forgot about that, that was, one. That's that a name I really hope we see again this year is Julian Merriweather. Yeah, we yeah. haven't even gotten really an update on him, hey? But that would be like oh. after <laughs> after that first series against the Yankees, we're like, holy shit, they found their closer. This Julian Merriweather guy's the talk of the town, and that fell apart rather quickly. How about um, Donaldson? Would you trade for Josh Donaldson? Minnesota Twins, they're ooh. struggling. Get him back in the mix. Why not? Eh? Ooh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that'd be spicy. Yeah. 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 Um, the one name I, I meant to touch on this a little bit earlier, actually already, but I saw you tweeted out the Vladimir Guerrero apology form and uh, oh yeah, oh, like, that was so good. I was oh, like, I, for the record, I did not make that. My friend texted it to me and I credited my friend Danny and okay. he didn't make it either, but, um, <laughs> I, who made I, this thing? his, his, I tagged his handle oh, at yeah. Axe Huxable or something, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, the part that killed me was the line of like, I didn't know people could lose weight. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I was laughing at that. But he's just, he's gone supernova this year. He's gone from a guy who, you know, in the off season, there were some people who were like, do you look at trading him? Like, does you need to move on from him? Is he just never going to be what we thought he was? And now it's like MVP candidate, triple crown yeah. watch as well. Like, it's just nuts what we've seen from Vladdy. Oh, it, it totally is. And like, you know, the more you can kind of zoom out and think about it, the more this is kind of to be expected. He's still only what, 22, 23. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's awesome that 
someone like Ronald Acuna or Juan Soto can come into the league and set it on fire as a teenager, but that's just not how it's going to work for like the majority of people. And yeah, everybody thought he was this good. So, I mean, it's not a surprise that he's this good. It just seemed to take a little bit longer. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, sort of a potential playoff race. And I want to get your thoughts on the AL East here in a second. But first, Charlie Montoyo, there is a lot of Charlie talk today after the game against Cleveland. Yes. Are you confident enough? And this is like a pretty blunt question, but can Charlie be the guy to lead them on a playoff run? Is he ever going to be that guy? Like, do you have that confidence in Montoyo and his and his managing ability? Yeah, I want I want Cam to kind of hit us with some like more analytic perspectives here. Cause in my head, I don't think a manager can really do enough to sink or save a team in baseball. I don't know. That's why I'm, uh, this is a question more than an answer. <laughs> like, so like, yeah, he's definitely made some like questionable calls, like even today with like leaving Chatwood in that said, you know, he just doesn't have the horses in the bullpen, right? Like he used yeah. Romano and Dolis in the first game, like, I don't know what the, there's not, there wasn't a really obvious move, I guess, that I thought he should make other than get Chatwood out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like Cam is, is he killing the team or is this just like kind of par I'm for not, managers? I don't think I'm one of the guys who's like a big Charlie hater at all, to be totally honest with you. Like I, I agree with you. I don't think managers make that significant of a difference. Like today's game seems, it, it feels like a Charlie loss, but I don't know. Was it like at the end of the day, like you, every, every sign pointed to Chatwood pitching in game two, because your other two best guys had already pitched. And then he just didn't pitch well. And it's like, you know, if they had Anthony Castro up two batters sooner and he was ready to come in, like, would he have actually like solved the problem? Travis Bergen didn't the last time this happened. So I don't know. I think Charlie's a perfectly fine manager for the team, given that I think he is good with young guys just seems like a, a really nice chill guy to be around. So I think that yeah. kind of ultimately brings out a lot of positive in the players. And I don't know if going and having like a more old school manager, like you see Tony La Russa in Chicago, like you can't argue that he's a bad technical manager. He's an old school guy. And it seems like all the players fucking hate him. So it's like, I don't know. What are you going to do if you're the Jays bringing a guy like that? Like, I'm not really hard sure. pass, hard pass. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm good. We don't need to be renaming any lounges at uh, at Rogers Center because <laughs> yeah. we hired fucking Tony Larusa. Um, lo looking at the standings, um, it's sort of what we expected in the sense that the Rays and the Yankees are in the mix, but the Red Sox have been a lot better than we were generally giving them credit for, or at least than we thought they would be. Uh, looking at this division, like, are the Red Sox the biggest surprise for you? Are the Yankees maybe not sitting at the top and running away with things? Is that stunning to you? Like, what have you made of the AL East so far? Yeah, I think the Red Sox are surprising, but I'd also be equally surprised if like at the trade deadline, they're they're still at the top of the division. I think they will come back to earth. Um, you know, their pitching particularly seems kind of thinner than uh, a contending team should have. Uh, but aside from that, like the Yankees have had a bunch of injuries. I think that's kind of compounded their struggles, but it's not super surprising. The only surprise for me is Boston. I, I'd expect like the other three teams to kind of be in the hunt and kind of, you could stack them in any order right now. And I wouldn't be too like Tampa, New York and Toronto. I wouldn't be too surprised. 
Should be a fun little race here down the stretch. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. I can see the knocking at the door plaque above what would be your left shoulder. Um, looks beautiful, <laughs> by the way. Uh, but obviously, you know, you're a member of Arkells. You guys have had some new music drop recently here. Uh, let's uh, let's just talk about, like, the band during the pandemic thing, because that's fascinating to me. Like, it's now been, whatever, 14 months since you would have been able to tour or anything like that. Are you guys oh, as yeah. a group, like, getting itchy, like, itching to get back out there a little bit? It's funny. Like, there's so many things about my life because that was my job that have changed. Like th this has been the first time in literally 15 years of like knowing the people in the band that I like called them on the phone to see like how they're doing or what's new. Cause like normally I see them 200 days a year. And, and uh, so that's new. Like it's, it's, it's super new to have this much time. Cause when you're touring, you're it's, it's like a whole different like relationship with music in the sense you're playing like, songs you've already recorded and worked on night after night after night. Whereas during the pandemic, we've just had so much more time to like work on new music or like learn new things like practice and like work on different things like within music that you don't really have time to do. And you're just kind of like hauling ass around the country for two months. So it's been like so different. Um, it, itching to get out back there or sorry, itching to get back out there. Definitely. It's kind of confusing though, because I feel like it's going to just be so different than before. So yeah. I'm I'm super like curious to see like how it looks and how like playing feels and all that stuff because it's it's definitely it's a different world. Yeah, that's that's honestly going to be so much the case with everything. Like, I mean, I'm sure we're all in the same boat. Like, you've <clears throat> obviously turned on sports TV and seen yeah the Vegas Golden Knights or somebody like that have like a packed out stadium, and it's like, damn, that's really cool to see. But like what would yeah. that actually be like to be there? Because I haven't, none of us have been in a, a crowd in over a year. So geez, that's going to be such a bizarre thing to get used to. I mean, like, yeah, oh, I couldn't even shit. imagine from your situation, like what, what a crowd is going to be like or how that, how, how to deal with that. That's, that's a crazy thing to wrap your head around, honestly. Yeah. Even like with going to a Jays game, is, is it going to feel weird if it's, if it's full, is it going to feel weird if like everybody's spaced out? Like it's, it's going to be totally, yeah, it's going to be wild. Yeah, I like I had the unique opportunity of going to some Oilers games this year with and sitting in the low in the press level, like while there's no fans. And like it's just the most bizarre thing ever. Like it's like you're watching a beer league game, but with the best <laughs> players in the world. Cause like you hear everything, the sound of like the puck hitting the boards like echoes throughout the rink. And I'd imagine yeah. like if the Rogers Center opened up with like let's say it's 10% fans to start or something like that, I'm sure it'd be the same thing because you would hear everything you would hear yeah. heat walker screaming in an ump and you'd hear <laughs> yeah. whoever's calling for a fly ball in the outfield it'd be super super weird well you could hear like uh, alec manoa's family uh yeah. when he pitched against the yankees the other day which is hilarious and also on the oilers thing i have to get it in like i am like a kind of in passing hockey fan like i i follow pretty casually cam your oily boys <laughs> tweeting is the best it's so good it's i'm glad somebody like appreciates the perfect that. It's oh, it's just like I, it gets me every time. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to kind of make like a make like a weird aesthetic for the team that just like didn't at all match what they were going for. And I was just like, me and one of my good friends back home, we used to just call them the Oily Boys for years. And I was like, oh fuck, yeah. I should just lean into that. It's funny, like no, the it's, idea. <laughs> it's it's awesome. I'm like I like I'm a huge fan of like Tim and Eric and shit like that. And it feels yeah. like so at home in that <laughs> That's world. It's pretty much exactly what I'm going for. So I'm yeah. glad glad you appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. 
You should become a become an Oilers fan. I know you guys yeah. have been to Edmonton like quite a few times, so you might as well. Eh? Oh, I know. Yeah, it's it's funny. I grew up in London, so London's like half Red Wings, half Leafs, and so like I never really took on one over the other, and so yeah, yeah so become an Oily boy then. When next time you're in Edmonton, I like it. I'll uh, I'll get I'll get you hooked up with one of our Nation Gear Oily Boys T-shirts, and you can you can rock that. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely <laughs> wear that. I'll have to, have awesome. to get that sent out. That perfect. You. We were talking about being on tour when you're touring during the Jays season, what's the routine like for you following the game? Like, are you a PVR and watch the whole thing? Are you a big no. Jays in 30 guy? Like sort of what's, what's yeah. the thing there? No, no. I'll, I'll kind of like catch what I can. I'll like yeah. follow along on my phone. Um, I don't definitely don't PVR like PVR games or anything like that. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's definitely, you don't get to watch all the games or anything like yeah. that, but that's okay. Like there, there's 160 of them. So um, the interesting things is like, I've kind of established a culture though, where if there's something really big happening, like the people that we tour with, like the the people we work with will like, let me know. Like, I remember we were playing and on tour when the Jays acquired Donaldson and yeah. like one of the, the techs who was working the show made like a huge sign and like, held it up at the side of the stage for me to like tell me the Jays acquired Donaldson, um, which was awesome, but very distracting for the rest of the show. Cause I like half believed, I was like, he's like, maybe you're pulling out your phone and you're like trying to get like, a, yeah. like figuring out who they gave up and you're trying to play yeah. at the same time. Just like looking at everyone's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. So they know, like, I, I don't get to watch as much, but I think everyone knows if there's something really big happening, I'll try as, as best I can to, to catch it. But you guys as a band have like a super, you're super intertwined with sports. I mean, knocking at the door was played and is played at every sporting event and probably will be for the next however long. And like, it feels like every time you guys drop new music, whether it's not even just up here in Canada, but like if Arkells drops a new song, it is the Hockey Night on Can Hockey Night in Canada montage, like within a couple of weeks. And uh, when you guys had your last album, you know, it's getting played before the World Series and things like that. Mm -hmm. For you as a sports guy, like, how sweet is that to like hear the music you guys make used for like these monumental sporting moments? It's, it's awesome. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And it's like definitely something, you know, like you never think will ever happen, like whatever happen or anything like that. So uh, it's, it's been like super, super sweet. Um, I remember with knocking specifically, that was the only time I had a feeling it might do something. Cause that was the year. Do you remember when the, the Jays, closers and russ martin they yeah. used to do a thing where martin would knock and open the door the pitcher <laughs> would open the door and so i thought oh maybe maybe that'll catch on that was the only time i ever kind of thought maybe something like that would happen but yeah it's it's just like a great like little perk of the job that it, yeah. you know makes you smile every time do you do you remember the first time like you ever heard it at rogers center or you were you know uh, watching a game and it was used like coming back from break or whatever yeah it's a little awkward in person because like you don't know how it's I, I describe it like watching a sex scene in a movie with your mom where like <laughs> you don't know how to re react to it you know like it's exciting it's like oh this is cool but like what facial do expression do I make where do I look like you know like stuff like that so um but yeah no I remember the first time I was like sitting in the 500s the Jays were playing um I think the Rays uh, obviously they were losing, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I do remember it and it's pretty cool to like, you never imagine anything you like work on in your room or in like a, like a little like jam space is going to be played over like 
speakers that big in a arena that large yeah was that the was that the song with the video you guys did for sportsnet with um i remember there was somebody i think it might have been you that was holding a bat that was on fire or am um, i completely misremembering because i'm uh, almost positive it was that song but it's it could a be sportsnet uh, it might not have been a sports. It might have just. There might have been. I think there was like a little bit of like fire in the music video. Maybe okay. I thought there was a baseball bat on fire. I don't know why I thought that, but I I wish I would. I will say, Cam, I definitely would remember holding a flaming bat if it was <laughs> if it was me. I think, but yeah, uh, well, that's, just, a, that's an idea for the future. But oh yeah. You guys have also gotten a chance to do a lot of stuff with Nick Nurse, and this is not a Raptors pod, but how cool has that kind of been, like getting to know him and, and doing the the neat little side projects you get to do with him? Oh, yeah. it's It's been like, it's been, again, like just another like kind of fun little like, oh, this this happened because we do this job? Like, hilarious. Like, yeah, um, yeah no, it, it's just like another little kind of treat. It was, it was crazy because we were at that, we were basically at it when this all started all being COVID we were at a Raptors charity gala playing and it was the day basically after they played the jazz. So it was crazy to be in like the epicenter of that first COVID outbreak in Canada and all that stuff. Like um, that was our most recent Nick nurse <laughs> story, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's super cool. And he's like a super nice guy and meeting a lot of people in sports is like, they do set a good example. You can tell they meet a ton of people all the time and they're just so warm and friendly and cordial. And it sets like such a good example and tone for like, yeah, like just treating everybody really nicely. And it's under, it's like understandable why so many people like love them. Uh, all roads and you can get it are the two newest singles. You know, we're, we're looking at plans from different provincial governments that, you know, maybe we could be getting concerts and things like that towards the end of the summer, but what's sort of on the radar here for the next two months when it comes to Arkells? Yeah, we're kind of waiting to see what, what the rules are, what things look like and just trying to like everybody just be like flexible, respectful of how things need to happen so that everybody's as safe as they can be. Um, and just knowing that we want to get back as soon as we can. I think there's, you know, depending on what's allowed, we will be able to maybe do something a little scaled down uh, as opposed to kind of like a full on show or something like that. That's, that's kind of our hope, but yeah, we're just keeping our, keeping our eyes and ears open and we'll be ready to go when, when we can be. And I'll end it with this. They're six games back of the AL East right now. Do the, does this Jays team have what it takes to, to make a run into the postseason here? Like, do they have a late season surge in them? Can you see that happening? Postseason? Yeah. The East specifically, I guess that's a little bit of a tougher bet. Um, but I think, yeah, I think they can be as as good as any of the other teams in the East. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. And, and I think they'll be playing meaningful games in, in September. That's all you can ask for. I uh, appreciate your time today, man. This was a lot of yeah. fun. We'll do it again for the end of oh. the year. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. There yeah. you go. That is Nick Dyka from Arkells. Uh, Coomzy, just a beauty, and he loves the Oily Boys bit too. So, like, come on. That's perfect. Yeah, that's a huge that's a huge win for me. That's, like, my pride and joy in life, honestly. I think Oily Boys is probably the, the best thing I've ever done. It's my best running bit, that's for sure. I like when I'll be like interacting with the Oilers nation main account in the DMS, or there's like a work thing we're doing at the nation going around and you still reply with the glass of oil in the moon. That's a, uh, that's good shit, but uh, really cool to hear. Like I, again, we touched on it at the end there, but the feeling of like making music like that, being a big sports fan, and then also like getting to sit in the stadium, like you said, in the 500 level of a raise game and like 
hearing your song come on the speakers that'd be so fucking cool that's so funny i love i love his response of being like what the fuck am i supposed to look at like what am i supposed to say like are people looking at me do people know i'm in the bath i can't be like talking about this is like really bizarre yeah i couldn't imagine like i mean i have a hard time listening to like our podcast back because you know i just want to see if it's good and then i listen to myself talking and i'm like oh god that's what I sound like. What the fuck? No, I couldn't imagine doing that with like tunes. That would, I would, I would lose my mind. Uh, all right. The Jays are going up now again, a big shout out to Nick for giving us some time. He's just a beauty. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, you, uh, you absolutely should and follow along with our Kells as well. Uh, but the Jays have two against Miami. They are up in Buffalo, New York for those two games. So uh, maybe a bit of like even a home crowd for them. Right. Can't imagine there's too many Marlins fans. Like, there's no Marlins fans anywhere well yeah i mean let's be real (laughs) yeah it's 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 the exact same situation as last time i remember the jays uh finally made it home to buffalo like midway through the season or two three weeks whatever it was and they played the marlins those wacky ass back-to-back games remember one they either blew a huge lead or they had a big comeback and ended up losing i know both games went to extra innings so yeah that was a weird series let's hope the jays can take two here though because the marlins are pretty bad yeah, fuck. I mean, and you just look right now too. They're in a tight playoff race. Like it's already at the point where I'm sitting yeah. here and watching, like watching scores. Scoreboard watching. Um, but like they're not even getting help really in that regard either. Like teams that they, the teams ahead of them, just seem to you know keep winning and keep pace. Yeah. Although the Yankees did lose today to the Tigers and. The Yankees they could, got swept by the Tigers, did not they? They did actually, yeah, they did. So they, I did lie. They they are getting a little bit of help in the out of town scoreboard in that regard. And the Red Sox did get postponed today as well. The Rays um, keep winning though. That's Ray, the, yeah, the Rays. That's the team where it's it's one. it's pretty hard to imagine them slowing down. Like my my thought here is okay. The Rays and the Yankees. The Yankees will just get better with time. They just will. Yeah. The Rays, I think, will remain very good because they are still going to get better because they still haven't called up Wander Franco. So that's <laughs> another thing to worry about. And I think the Red Sox will come down. I do. I, I don't think they're terrible. Like they're not going to be 70 and 92, but I think around 500. And I think that's kind of the hope is the Red Sox come down. So the Jays can comfortably be in a three team race in the American league. It's not a four team race. That'd be pretty fucked. Yeah. <laughs> if you finish fourth in the AL East, you can't make the playoffs. So and, uh, <laughs> let's hope the Red Sox fall apart. Let's and and in terms of the wild card right now, it looks like they're going to be competing with when Cleveland, who they lost game two today, which makes it sting a little bit more, but like, Houston's in the mix there. And then, you know, Houston, Oakland, whoever yeah, doesn't win Houston, Oakland, and then Cleveland, and then the teams in the AL. So like the race is already sort of starting to define itself a bit. I could see the angels potentially getting hot and getting back in the conversation, but I also think like Seattle and Casey are going to fall out of it. Uh, the reason I'm talking about that is because we're going to be back on Wednesday with another episode of the podcast. And we might take that as an opportunity to do a little around the American league look with yeah. a guest. So uh, we'll, we'll recap all things American league and look around major league baseball coming up in the next episode. Uh, but until then blue Jays fans, you enjoy this set of games coming up against the Miami Marlins. Hopefully the Jays can rattle off a couple of dubs and a big thanks to Nick Dyka base operator for our for giving us a few minutes today as well. Always fun chatting with Nick. He's an absolute beauty. Coomsey, we will chat soon. Thanks for doing this. That's right. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.